This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. Okay, real quick. Wellness check. How did everyone survive what was one... A long weekend, the holiday on Monday, and then more importantly than that, the first weekend with no football in quite some time. And yes, there's always football to talk about, but uh, I'm a little worried about my co-hosts here, Mike Jarecki and Bertrand Berry, because there was no actual football game for B-Train to, you know, prop up his feet. And again, no shoes. It's a weekend, a long weekend at that, but no actual game for Bertrand Berry to sit and watch and then dissect. Yeah, it was a little tough, but at the same time, I, I did uh, appreciate the rest. And, and uh, you know, I'm still working, brother. You know what I mean? I, I never stopped moving. And uh, I was able to put the, the, the shoes up or put the feet up about 4 o'clock that afternoon. So it, it still wound up being a pretty good weekend. And from then on, I had a lot of rest. But uh, definitely missing football right now. You know, I got a little yard work done on Saturday. Okay. I went to the um, matinee game on Monday to see the Blues and the Coyotes. So just finding other things to keep me occupied. But, hey, whoever made the NFL calendar, they need a raise because coming up in March, free agency, the draft, hopefully we see some off-season uh, activities. Regardless, um, the NFL calendar sits me quite well. Good segue, MJ, because in one month, one month and one day to be specific. The new league year, it's a Wednesday. In fact, it's St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. That is when teams can officially sign free agents. If there is a player on the market right now, i.e. J.J. Watt, yes, you're able to sign them right now. Although it does sound like that more and more teams are going to wait because we don't know what the salary cap is going to be. Is it going to be 175, 180, 181? All of these dollars matter. Even the slightest amount of money can mean signing a player or not signing a player. So here, as we begin this week's show on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, B-Train, I'm going to need your positions of need. Rank the top two, top three, whether it's free agency or the draft, or maybe even both. Remember, free agency comes first. The draft is not until the end of April. But when you look at the 2021 Arizona Cardinals, what position, not specific players, but what position does this team need to address ASAP? I really believe they need to address the cornerback position. That's going to be the first and foremost need. And then you look at wide receivers. You're going to have to get Kyler Murray some weapons and guys that can actually catch the ball and, and do it on a consistent basis. Yes, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Don't know what the status of everybody else is going to be. Everybody else seems to be kind of lumped into that, okay, let's show and prove. But uh, as far as established receivers, you have one and, and a, lot of, a lot of guys. So uh, I think cornerback one, and then I believe wide receiver next. 
does not surprise me, B-Train, that you would go with a defensive position right out of the gate. I'll add another one, though, because much like you, B-Train, I like cornerback and wide receiver. But, MJ, I'll also add pass rusher as well because, yes, you've got Chandler Jones coming back, but he's coming off an injury. Devon Kennard didn't quite give you all that you anticipated in his first year with the Cardinals. And then two big question marks, Hassan Reddick, Marcus Golden. Can you bring them both back? Do you not bring either one of them back? But you have to be able to get to affect the quarterback, and the Cardinals right now might, I mean, at least on paper they might have an idea, but we're not going to know for certain until things become official. Well, when you have 28 unrestricted free agents and then they have three restricted guys What basically they own the rights to Dennis Gardeck, Trent Sherfield, and Ezekiel Turner, and then exclusive rights to Kylie Fitz. I mean, you do have holes on this football team, and, and I couldn't agree more with, with B-Train. I mean, Patrick Peterson's going to be a free agent. Uh, Robert Alford, unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, the Cardinals would say $7.5 million. Uh, dead money would be one point five. So, if they want to bring him back at a lower rate, I'm all for it. Um, but you just can't, you know, keep him on the roster at that rate. So you look at it, Byron Murphy and Alford are under contract. Uh, you got a couple of young players in Chase Whitaker, uh, Jonathan Joseph, Drake Kirkpatrick, Kevin Peterson are all free agents. And, you know, you look at the free agent class, and there's a couple, um, you know, players out there. You know, Ronald Darby, I like Troy Hill, um, what he did when he was in uh, L.A., but uh, I do think the Cardinals are going to draft a corner, but I think they have to bring in some veteran presence if you lose uh, Patrick Peterson. It is the one position, in my opinion, that cornerback will be addressed not only in free agency but in the draft as well. This team, b needs to get younger at the position and then also have a veteran or two, much like bringing in a Jonathan Joseph midseason. I th- certainly helped that position out. But the big question mark here is what this team team does with Patrick Peterson, or maybe it's not even the team's decision, it's Peterson's decision whether to stay or go. Yeah, he's a guy that, that really has earned the right to, to make a decision on his own future, and, and uh, there are a lot of speculation uh, as far as does he want to stay, does he want to go. We won't know until he officially says one way or the other, but you, you cannot build a team on what if and and scenarios you have to know what you have and then you have to go from there and so I think they're not going to press him per se to to make a decision but they are going to ask him as soon as he could uh, to make a decision and and I think he already knows it's just a matter of 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 taking his time and making sure all his T's are crossed and his I's are dotted so whenever he makes that decision I I think it'll be uh, his decision and I think uh, both sides will will mutually come to that agreement, and, and then they will go forth from there. I would agree, Craig. I think they'll try to address the wide receiver position in free agency. You know, again, not one of the top guys, somebody that has some veteran experience. I don't know if we can sit here and rely on Andy Isabella or Keyshawn Johnson. they got to prove it first. Um, so I do think they'll try to address that also in the draft. Again, they only have five picks. Um, but they got to get better in the trenches. And Corey Peters is a free agent. I think you and I are in agreement, probably all three of us, to bring him back just from a veteran presence. But, you know, Jordan Phillips, they need more production from him. Zach Allen came on last year. you got Le- Lecky Foe, too. Richard Lawrence. Uh, Blackson's a free agent. Michael Dogby. So uh, they got to get better in the trenches. And that starts on the D-line. And they got to get more production out of Phillips. So, I mean, again, you can't address every single thing in free agency and that's what you have to draft and trade so 
Um, when you have 28 free agents, you got a lot of holes, so I think they got to get better in the trenches. Well, if the postseason taught us anything, B-Train, is you have to be physical at the point of attack as far as your offensive line, and then defensively, you have to protect that line of scrimmage. You can't play back on your heels. Cardinals do have a number of offensive linemen and defensive linemen coming back. It's just a matter of do you believe that those are guys that you can go to battle with, if you will, on Sundays, or if there needs to be an upgrade, a la on the right side of the offensive line or the defensively do you need someone in the middle to get that push up front teams are built from the inside out and the one thing you have to be certain about with your team when you head into a season is that your inside is going to be a, a position of strength when you talk about offense and defensive line if you can't win the line of scrimmage you're not going to win a lot of football games and regardless of how many flash players you have on the outside i love those guys they they, they do a lot for his entertainment and, and their teammates, and you love them. But when it really comes down to it, you have to be able to win that line of scrimmage. And, and you can't just have guys that you're okay with. You have to know for sure that these are guys that you can take out there to the field and you know that they're going to get the job done. They're going to win many more times than they lose. And I think defensively, when you look at what the Cardinals do have coming back with those young players, Zach Allen, Lucky Foto, Rashard Lawrence, and then hopefully a healthy, full-strength Jordan Phillips, there's four names right there, MJ. But I think what we've seen on this team that you do need a rotation. And if one guy's not doing it, then you need two, three, four guys behind them in order to really have that effect on the defensive line. Yeah, and, and, and I'm intrigued uh, with Zach Allen. I mean, I, I thought he, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, I I think he can man that left defensive end and, you know, Lucky and Rashad Lawrence. I mean, they're going to be rotation guys. I anticipate that snap count will go up. Again, all these guys need an offseason, just like Isaiah Simmons. And Michael Dogby's kind of interesting. You know, one thing I want to go back to is the offensive line for a second here, just from a standpoint of I think the Cardinals feel comfortable where they are with their tackles, okay? Marcus Gilbert, um, he is under contract. Hopefully he wants to play. Um, I thought Kelvin Beachin did a good job there. I think Justin Murray is more athletic, so I don't anticipate Sweezy coming back. So I think they're fine at the tackles. Now, Justin Pugh um, is going to be 31 years old. He has another year on his contract. I think he's coming off a really good season. So I like the left side. they got to get better in the interior when it comes to Mason Cole, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, Alex Mack is out there. He's up there in age, but he's still his tape looks good, I was told. So uh, he's up there in age. But I do think the Cardinals will have to address the interior just looking at the future. So I like what the tackles are doing. I like Pew, but all of a sudden you got to have some backups in the interior. I'll throw another position group out there, and it might not be addressed early on, whether in free agency, and it should only be addressed in free agency, and that is the quarterback position, specifically a backup quarterback, because B-Train, again, what did the postseason teach us? What did we see? You need to have someone that you can go out there and spell the starter, whether it's an injury or something else, and be confident and comfortable in that player. Hopefully a veteran that can give you a quarter, maybe even an entire game to make sure your season keeps going. Yeah, you cannot you cannot overlook that, that backup position because you're only as good as your backups. And yes, everybody's gonna have starters and they're gonna be great players and, and they all were, were were great players where they came from and, and but when you start talking about football it's a war of attrition and injuries are a part of the game just like uh, running game and, and passing game and all that other kind of stuff so if you don't have depth quality depth 
at any position is going to be difficult to win. And I think the Cardinals definitely have to address that position and make sure that they feel just as good about the backups as they do the starters. You know, the guy you described me is Brett Hundley. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out for him. But, you know, it seems like you've got to pay 3 or $4 million for these backups. And you, we just saw the Heineke, Heineke um, get a, uh, an extension. We don't know if he's going to be the starting quarterback, but he got $8 million. Um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's a free agent. To me, that would be an ideal thing. Uh, obviously, he's a hometown guy. I don't know if he wants 5 or $6 million a year, but – what we watched, I don't think you can throw out there Chris Strebler in week 16 and 17. Unfortunately, I just haven't seen enough. Another guy that needs an offseason and preseason games. Um, but you got to make sure you protect it. We know Kyler Murray the last two years has been injured in week 16 and 17. So I, I, would, I think the Cardinals feel like they got to get somebody. If something happens to Murray, yes, the offense is not going to be the same, but you have to get somebody that has veteran experience to help this team win games late in the year. Hopefully we never see the backup quarterback. That would be the goal of every team. And, yes, if you lose your starter for an extended period of time, then all bets are off. But in a pinch, do you have someone behind a Kyler Murray? Right now the only two quarterbacks the Cardinals do have – Chris Streveler and Cole McDonald, who they signed to a futures contract, 6'3", 215. It looks good, but he has zero experience. Cardinals need to address someone to be QB2. Hopefully, all they do is mentor Kyler Murray, push Kyler Murray to take that next step into year three. Of course, we touched on the wide receivers. Well, more on that coming up. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, a reminder, Bird Gang, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Cardinals certainly set at a number one wide receiver. What about two, three, four, and five? We'll get into that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. First and 10 on the Cardinal 20. Snap to Murray. Drops back the throw. Looking deep. Airing it out. Middle of the field. He's got Kirk. It's caught at the 40. Kirk at the 30. The 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. An 80-yard strike. Kyler Murray to Christian Kirk. Two touchdowns for Kirk now in the game. Oh, baby. That was huge right there. Kyler Murray saw Christian Kirk. And he just ran the go route. What a great throw. Kyler Murray laid it out there, and Christian Kirk went and got it. Got to love those one-play 80-yard scoring drives. Christian Kirk, the 80-yard touchdown catch and run on Monday Night Football at the Dallas Cowboys. Kirk finishing with a team-high six touchdowns this past season, tied with DeAndre Hopkins, who also had six. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Rio, Lou Mike Drecke, and Bertram Berry looking specifically now, gentlemen, at this wide receiver position, and we just touched on it briefly as far as wide receivers behind a DeAndre Hopkins and you'd include Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson. We don't know about Larry Fitzgerald who is a free agent who has a decision to make. Will he come back? Won't he come back? We wait his decision. But in listening to new wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson earlier today be trained, he sees a lot of talent behind a Hopkins, and that's good as he reviews some of the early film of last season. 
Yes, there is talent there, but so far in two years of Isabella and Johnson, three years of Kirk, it just hasn't been consistent enough so far. Yeah, I'm sure there is a lot of talent and there's a lot of potential, but you know, there's an old saying, a cemetery is full of potential. And it doesn't really matter until it's realized. And that's the thing that we've got to see from these young receivers. They've got to go out and actually make the plays on the field. Yes, you can be talented. Everybody in the NFL is talented. Everybody has ability. But you have to be able to go out and be consistent in catching the ball, running the routes, know when to run your routes, know the coverage and and how to adjust on the fly. There's a lot of different aspects to becoming a really good wide receiver in the NFL. And those guys – for whatever reason, they're missing some of those steps along the way, and they've got to be able to fill in those gaps. And, and until they do, all you're going to say is that they have great potential and, and they have talent. But that doesn't mean anything, and that doesn't help you win games on Sunday. And that's where maybe a Jefferson who played the game and certainly has coached for a long time can help develop that talent because we know, MJ, that Hopkins is going to be targeted. He was targeted 160 times this past season, most on the team, second most in the league. But then there was a huge drop-off. Kirk was the next most targeted wide receiver 79 times. And I don't know if that disparity is something that we want to see, but when you have a Hopkins, maybe it's just either easier for Kyler Murray to look his direction but I think we would like to see a little bit more balance across the board but at the same time those other wide receivers have to earn those targets yeah and you know when you have Larry Fitzgerald on the roster and Isabella they're going to play in the slot and you know obviously the you know the maybe the knock was he Kirk was too slow or too small but you know over the last three years he had a 75 yard touchdown a 69 yard touchdown and then of course in the Cowboys game 80 yard touchdown so I don't know if he's better in the slot or on the outside um, and we're going to get into you know when they moved Hopkins around you know Kirk's just got to stay healthy he's yet to play a full season um, he's played thir- 12 games um, 13 and 14 he obviously dealt with COVID this year he um, you know, you look at his numbers, he's targeted 79 times, 48 catches, 621 yards, averaging close to 13 yards a catch. It's just he's got to stay on the field. And, you know, when Larry was out, we, we saw the receivers kind of uh, bunched up in the same, uh, you know, uh, same side of the field, and that's just miscommunication. Now, I do think having a former player who obviously played in the NFL, played in Super Bowls, um, is going to be able to get the best out of these guys. Nothing against Jerry Sullivan and, and, and David Rye, but um, – you know, the talents there, they've shown flashes, but once again, inconsistency, and we've talked about that when it comes to the offense. That's why you're hearing wide receiver being brought up as far as free agency. That's why you're hearing wide receiver being brought up once again with the draft and maybe even at number 16, depending on who might be available at that time when the Cardinals are on the clock. You brought it up momentarily, MJ, about Hopkins as far as moving him around. It's what we saw a little bit later on in the season just because I think the offense got a little bit stagnant and defenses were able to realize what was going on. It was a point that Rob Fredrickson made last week on the Big Red Rage with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley. They started moving D-Hop around a little. Instead of just standing him over to the left side, stagnant and running three or four routes, they started to move him around, get him into the slot, motion him a little bit, do some crossing routes. Those are things that I think they need to build on offensively. It was a little thing, B-Train, but it certainly did have an advantage, and that's this cat-and-mouse game that you have during the course of a season. You run something until the defense catches on, and then it's up to you as an offense to adjust. And the key is to be one step ahead. It's chess, not checkers. And that's the thing that we saw with, with 
with Kyler and, and, and what we saw with Coach Kingsbury, they were able to, for the most part, really keep him in positions where he could be at an advantage and, and they couldn't really get a beat on him and, and really lock him down. So uh, but the real thing is being able to get other guys to be able to have to account for it. And when you don't have other guys to account for it, then no matter where he is, you're going to find ways to try to lock him down. So it's really up to these other guys to, to come in and, and really make sure that they're contributing and make sure all the pressure is not just on one guy. You know, I think when you look at Christian Kirk a couple of years ago, we thought he could be number two receiver. And, you know, when you draft Andy Isabel in the second round, you're thinking, all right, three, and then Keyshawn Johnson. They just don't have a second wide receiver on the roster. I mean, when I say that, I think Christian Kirk has the best uh, opportunity um, if he can stay healthy and obviously, you know, get more confidence, I think, uh, just based on being available. Um, but I think they need a number two receiver to take pressure off of DeAndre Hopkins. And maybe that guy is on the roster, but we need to see it over a period of time versus, you know, claiming someone that can be two. And then you want to get three and four. I mean, if they want to run this offense like they do, you have to have depth at that receiver position. And you would have hoped that it would have been Kirk by now. Right. It's because, you know, injuries have played into that. And, then, of course, you would have hoped that it would have been Andy Isabella by now considering where he was selected in the second round. You need those picks to hit, and I'm sorry, it's there. you can't be patient. I mean, to a certain extent, maybe you get one season and, and uh, maybe two seasons if you are a high draft pick, but B-Train, you know this game better than most as far as how willing coaches, executives, owners are willing to be patient in the National Football League. There is only patient as their options. And that's just the fact of it. If they have other opportunities to get their team better, they're going to take those opportunities. It is a win-now situation. And, of course, seeing what we just saw in the last Super Bowl, it can be done rather quickly. And so there's going to be those that want that formula to to try to work for their organization. And and when you see one guy can come in and, and, and bring in a few pieces that he thinks can help and it actually works, well, then it's a copycat league. Then everybody's going to want to, in turn, have that same type of situation work out uh, for themselves. So, uh, yeah, you, you want to have a guy develop. You, you want him to take time. But it's a bottom line business, and, and jobs are on the line, and you can't afford to wait forever for somebody to develop. They've got to make sure that they have done enough to, to give you that, that patience and, and, and buy that time so that they can further develop. But if they don't show anything right out of the gate and they just continue to struggle, then teams are going to have to make business decisions. Yeah, and then you got Trent Shurfield. Uh, you know, obviously he's not a draft pick, but he's a guy that's earned a spot on the roster from special teams. He's restricted, you know, Let's see what, what kind of tender they give there. And then JoJo Ward, I thought he, you know, he's a guy that can take the top off the decent. If Isabella is not going to be the guy, you got to find someone. We watched Scotty Miller, and I don't know why Andy Isabella can't be like Scotty Miller. Now, granted, he doesn't, you know, have Tom Brady thrown to him, but we know Murray can make the throws. A.J. Richardson, he kind of built like Anquan Bolden. He's uh, he got a futures contract. So there's other opportunities. Um, but again, when you're a draft pick, you get more opportunities or more more time. And the Cardinals didn't hesitate getting rid of Keem Butler last year. 
That's true. He was here and then spent that first year on IR and then was not around for a second year. This Cardinals offense, as far as throwing the football, middle of the road, average, 17th in the league as far as passing yards per game. And that's a number that certainly with the weapons and the skill set of Akana Murray should be much, much better. We'll get into the running game in our next segment. But as far as this offense overall, more from Fredrickson last week on the Big Red Rage as far as making sure they are not too predictable and I think we saw a little bit of that last season it was always just you know am I going to hand it off or am I going to run as Kyler Murray there was never that pass option off of it and and to me they need to expand on that and become a little bit more unpredictable because we all know Cardinal fans are probably tired and sick to death of the wide receiver screens and the jet sweeps and the the run plays that bounce out to the outside those are hard to execute in, in the NFL with the, with the, the speed of defenses and just their ability to get off blocks you have to be able to mix it up. And that some comes with self-scouting. And this coaching staff going back and looking at the plays that they ran, the plays that were successful, the plays that weren't successful. And, yeah, B-Tran, there's going to be plays that weren't successful, but sometimes those plays lead or set you up for something later in the game or maybe even later on in the season. Yes, and, and that's all true. But you, you have to win the game that is in front of you and, and – when you start talking about later down the season, there's no guarantee that the personnel is going to be the same. There's no guarantee that that, that particular player is going to be available because, as we've talked about, it's a war of attrition. And sometimes you lose players, and, and you don't like that, but that's just the fact of, of the business. And, and so uh, it's great to, to think about down the road, but you, you, you're better off winning right now as opposed to, to trying to set somebody up long term because uh, you, you can not win a, a championship – uh, in September and October, but you can definitely put yourself in a position where you're going to be packing up and going home uh, in December if you don't take care of that business in the first part of the season. Well, in, in I think a lot of people are wondering, what's the identity of the Arizona Cardinals offense? And, and as a whole, you know, Cliff said tempo, aggressiveness, and physicality. Um, we know that they have to run the football to set up the pass, but at at some point you just got to win your one-on-one matchups at the physicality at the point of, of the line of scrimmage. So you may want to throw it, and, and obviously Cliff's willing to do both, whether it's running the ball or throwing it, but to me you got to get more consistent when it comes to running the ball and staying with the run and then open up with the play action. So it's easy for us to sit here and second guess, but a lot of the times it comes down to players and we when we talked about the receivers, you got to get separation. Are those guys getting separation to open things up for Kyler Murray? And connecting with those wide receivers on the run, the yards after catch, and that was something that the Cardinals did not have a lot of. You get those receivers out in space and let their natural ability work for you, throw them open, so to speak. The Cardinals, less than four and a half yards per catch as far as yards after catch and that is just something that is not very good uh, when you look at this wide receiver core as a whole something certainly that will be addressed as we talked about probably in free agency and in the draft as well we have hit halftime here on this week's edition of the cardinals red sea report when we come back uh b-train's gonna love this more offense because you know that is always the key to a successful team more offense hey if you like what you hear we should invite you to subscribe to arizona cardinals podcast go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information
Chase Edmonds in the backfield with Murray. Third down and one of the 29, four receiver set. Shotgun snap, it's a run play, right side. Big hole Edmonds, 25-20, 10-5, touchdown. The inside zone being run and Chase Edmonds found the hole and to the house, baby. 29-yard touchdown run on third down and one for Chase Edmonds. All four of Chase Edmonds' touchdowns at MetLife, 20 yards or longer. Hard to believe, but that was the only touchdown run of 2020 for Chase Edmonds. Came in week five at the New York Jets. Edmonds right now, gentlemen, appears to be your starting running back, at least as we sit here and discuss things on this February 16th edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Welcome back. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry, and yes, B-Train, more offensive discussion. We have not forgotten about the defense, but we know what sells, and that is offense and when you have an offense be trained it always starts one at the line of scrimmage you need five guys up front to do their job the sixth if you will maybe with the tight end but when you come to the pass and we're kind of going in reverse order here the run does set up the pass and right now this cardinals running team very very solid each of the past two seasons there is a question mark though with Kenyon drake due to become an unrestricted free agent is chase edmonds the guy to be running back number one Greg, you said it, it. It all starts with up front. If those guys up front aren't doing their jobs, then it doesn't matter who you have in the backfield. And the one thing that we've seen with the Cardinals, they do love to run the football. And the quickest, easiest way to win football games is to establish that line of scrimmage from an offensive line standpoint. If you can dictate to the defensive line what you're going to do and, and you're getting three, four yards per carry, that just tends to wear down a defensive line and the defense as a whole. And it gives your defense in turn, rest and, and uh, the ability to be fresh when they come back on to the field. So uh, if you can get points after you've had one of those long drives and, and, and really give your, your whole sideline a boost, then that's something that is definitely a winning formula. So I, I'm, I'm not going to say that you don't need offense to win. You do. You, you just need them to give you just enough. And if they can give you running game and they can give you time of possession, then I really believe that your team has a much better chance of winning said games and did not. With what you've seen so far out of Chase Edmonds, how comfortable, how confident are you in him as far as being that running back, starting running back in 2021? I think he can be a really good running back. I'm not sure if he's able to carry the load. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, he does do nice things, and, and I think the role he's played the last couple of years have been perfect for him. I would like to see a guy that can really just move the crowd, if you will, a guy that's a, a physical-type runner, a guy that's between the tackles, and, and, and defenders are going to have to make business decisions on how they want to go and, and approach him as far as trying to bring him down. So uh, there's nothing against uh, Chase Edmonds as a, as a player because I think he maximizes what he's able to do really well, but I think he works best in a two-back system where he's kind of the yin to another guy's yang, if you will, and, and he complements that guy, and, and he's more of a – of a, of a counter than the than the main attraction. And MJ, that's what's something that you talked a lot about, the the dual back, the, the guys that do some things similar, but they just look and act differently. Drake specifically, bigger, taller. He would be the guy to go between the tackles, although sometimes he would bounce to the outside a little bit too much to people's uh, liking. But you do need, I think, that gone is that running back that's going to get 30, 35 carries every single week. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at the rushing touchdowns last year, the Cardinals had 22, and you pointed out that Edmonds only had one, which is surprising to hear. Uh, Drake had 10 and Kyler Murray 11. Yeah, I think what they're looking for is a bigger back, somebody like 5'11", 220, 225 pounds, a guy that that can get those tough two or three yards, of course, third and inches, fourth and one, where you don't have to rely on Kyler Murray going under center. You know, and, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity for Eno Benjamin. Um, if Chase Evans is going to be your starter, does he get a chance to possibly return kicks? I know they're intrigued with Jonathan Ward. He was on the active roster, more on teams. He kind of reminds me of a little bit of Andre Ellington and then DJ Foster. So, and I do think, and I think I said this five or six times, and the Cardinals only have five draft picks, but I do think they're going to draft the running back, not in the first round, but I think they want to get a back that can complement what Chase Edmonds does, and that would be a bigger back to get the grunt yards. And the one thing that Edmonds does very, very well is catch the ball out of the backfield or line up as a wide receiver in the slot. Earlier this season, Kingsbury on what he likes about Chase Edmonds. We all feel like he's a starting running back in this league, and he does too. And when he had his opportunities, he shined, and he continues to shine. I mean, he can catch it, he can run it, he can block, play special teams, and he's really bright football-wise. Of course, it always goes back to what we began this segment talking about, B-Train, and those offensive linemen, those five guys up front. And I think we all like what DJ Humphreys has done, Justin Pugh has done. The question is, at center, at right guard, at right tackle, because there are guys that are set to become unrestricted free agents, a J.R. Sweezy, a Calvin Beecham, a Max Garcia, who we saw occasionally come in, fill in at guard at time, and then the difference between a Mason Cole, a Lamont Gilliard at center, or do you look to upgrade that in free agency? The thing about offensive linemen, when you have really good offensive linemen, you don't hear anything about them. And that's no knock on them in, in, as individuals because those guys take a lot of pride in their play, and, and they deserve all the money and all the, the, the credit that they can get. But when you start talking about how a team works and what makes a successful team, when you have guys that you have no idea who they are, but they just plug along, they just do their job, they just road grade people, and they keep people off their quarterback. those are the best type of offensive linemen to have. And I don't need to hear about a, a high – price guy or a guy that uh, it has, has a, a, a reputation to him. I just need guys to go in and be able to handle that business. And I think they prefer it that way. They prefer to be the no-name group, the five guys that, that just go about their business each and every week. And, and I don't care what their names are. I don't care where they came from. As long as they're able to do that job, then I think you're, that is the foundation of any football team. And, and as a guy that is a defensive lineman, I understand that very well. And so you, you really have to make sure that you have five guys, really six to seven, because you need somebody to come in and spell two just in case. But you, you, really, you need to have at least five guys that you can really depend on each and every week that you know once they put that helmet on and they go out on that field, they're going to make everybody else on that field shine because they're not going to be looking for that name and notoriety, but they're going to be the ones that are most responsible for it. You know the guy that I'm intrigued with, and once again needs an off-season, preseason games, and all that other stuff is Josh Jones. I mean, he did get a chance to play as a sixth offensive lineman. You know, I don't know if he's a guy now. He played at Houston, a left tackle. Maybe he could be your swing tackle this year if something happened to Hump or 
are, are possibly on the right side. Again, Calvin Beach to me, um, you know, played well. I'm curious to see what Marcus Gilbert's going to do. But Josh Jones, I, I don't know if he can play multiple positions. I know the Cardinals want to get more athletic at that right guard, and that's why probably Justin Murray's going to be the guy going in. But at the end of the day, I, you know, Kugler's going to have to play the best five guys. And, you know, late in the year last year, they were kind of substituting. I thought some guys wore down. Uh, I don't know if that's the best position where you start rotating guys. Cardinals in 2020, a top five running team, or excuse me, a top 10 running team as far as yards per game and yards per play. As far as rushing yards per play, just under 4.7 every time they touched the football. That was tied for eighth best in the league. Rod Fredrickson last week on the Big Red Rage that running the football is where everything begins and sometimes ends. It's running the football and, and, and sticking with it, even if it's not successful, even if it's only for two yards or three yards. To me, that's successful because that sets up so much else off the play action. And and the, and the middle of the field is wide open, okay, with the two high safeties. you got a guy like Dan Arnold. Give me a break. Him against a middle linebacker, that, that should be a win every time. And that's what we talk about as far as a running game, MJ, is when sometimes that first two or three carries don't amount to much and maybe it's only a two- or three-yard gain or you get pushed back a yard, but you have to be patient enough to stick with it. And with run game coordinator now, in addition to offensive line coach Sean Kugler, might we see more of an emphasis as far as running the football, even more than what we've seen the past two seasons? I believe so. I mean, again, if if teams are going to put seven or guys in the box, and you know they 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 want to run the football to open up the pass, the the thing that would help a lot. Um, 113 penalties, 45 were pre-snap penalties according to Ugrila, which is second in the league. Okay, Philadelphia had 56. In other words, as you point out, nearly 40 percent of their penalties happen pre-snap. So avoid those pre-snap penalties, cut that in half, and, and, and avoid those you know, third and longs. And that's where the running game will come in, where if you're in third and two, third and three, you can do so many different things. And when we talk about the running game, um, the wild card is Kyler Murray, but you don't want to depend on that. Yeah, use him uh, to your advantage, but don't rely on him as far as carrying the football. And yeah, he carried the ball a lot, and it's a great option to have you would just like to see someone else whether that's a chase edmonds or someone else emerge to become that other running back much like we talked about with wide receiver it's great to have a deandre hopkins but he can't do it all by himself we also know that it can't just be about offense the defense plays its own parts and maybe the largest parts according to bertrand Perry, and based off what we saw in Super Bowl 55. When we come back, we will talk about the Cardinals defense, specifically that front seven who's coming back, who needs to come back, and what we see out of this team moving forward under defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. That's all straight ahead. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. team of the timeout. A minute four to go in a tie game here in overtime. 34 piece. Gotta get a stop here. Third and 14. Play clock at one. Snap to Wilson. Quick throw over the middle. Picked off. It's intercepted at the 40 yard line. Isaiah Simmons has it. Running far side of the 45. Out of bounds at the 50 yard line. 57 seconds left. Cardinals have the ball and a timeout. The rookie made a play. Isaiah Simmons is right there with the sweet hands. What a catch by Isaiah Simmons. Huge play 
by the Cardinals rookie linebacker Isaiah Simmons helping the Cardinals beat the Seahawks in overtime 37-34. The first career INT picking off Russell Wilson later on in the season. Simmons would have his first career sack also against Russell Wilson. Simmons finishing with two sacks on the season. And that play certainly made things a lot easier and maybe gave Simmons the confidence that, yes, he could play and play very well at the next level, that being the National Football League. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Mike Drecke, and Bertram Berry looking at the front seven and specifically here for a minute talking about Isaiah Simmons. Year two, what can we expect? Here's Rob Fredrickson last week on the Big Red Rage. From your first year to your second year, that's where you see the biggest growth. And I, and I think you're going to see it from Isaiah Simmons. And, and in my opinion, he's too good of a player to ever be on the sideline too good of a talent he's too good of an athlete and he's fast and this league the way it is right now you have to be fast speed kills isaiah simmons has it he has to be on the field all the time a lot of problems b train we've heard vance joseph the defensive coordinator call him an eraser talking about because of that speed he can make up for a lot of people's even his own mistakes and i think we all anticipate next year or this coming season to be a huge one for isaiah simmons the one thing you you see with rookies is from year one to year two is that the game slows down and that refers to the thinking. They don't think as much. They're just more reacting, and, and they understand the, the pace of the game, and, and they just seem to come into their own. And, and the, the biggest jump for me, I know, going from year one to year two, was just how fast everybody was. When you were usually the fastest guy on the field, and then you've got offensive linemen, and, and you've got tight ends, and, and all these other positions that are just as fast as you, it, it takes a moment to, to really process that. And once you do that, then you're able to go out there and, and you're able to adapt and adjust and then find other ways to, to make contributions to the team. It's not necessarily about being the fastest or being the strongest, but then who can think the fastest and, and who can anticipate the, the best and, and go in and make those particular plays when your numbers call. So I, I really expect Isaiah Simmons to come into his own. And, and I think for him, once the game slows down and he's not out there thinking as much as he did in year one, I think he's going to realize all that that the Cardinals uh, used for the eighth overall pick to, to bring him here to the Valley. Well, I mean, let's go back to his rookie season. First of all, you know, he played, what, seven, eight, nine different positions in college, and they wanted to, you know, slow play him at weak side linebacker, and then injuries started to occur. You know, and they signed Campbell to a one-year deal worth $7.5 million, so it was going to be difficult. Now, I, I don't disagree where he should be on the field, but – he did play 376 snaps, which is 33%. Campbell played 79% of the snaps. So, um, But I do think uh, when offseason workouts happen or we get the training camp or preseason games, hopefully he's going to be a three-down linebacker, and he's not going to come off the field. And his versatility is going to allow him to cover guys, maybe possibly get, uh, get a chance to get to the quarterback. So I'm really excited about him. And he actually tweeted out on Sunday, is it football season yet? And I'm encouraged by that because he wants to get back. And, and the story that Hassan Reddick told us last year, when he came to the sidelines, he told him, 
Hassan, I can do this. So now that's a confidence thing, and now he knows that he comes in here and he could be a big part of that defense, and opposing defensive quarters are going to have to ID him based on his skill set. You line him up next to Jordan Hicks, who's returning, and you mentioned Devondre Campbell, a one-year contract. They don't anticipate him coming back because you drafted a Simmons, but he can do so much, be training with Simmons. Yes, you can drop him back into coverage, but as we've seen, you can also rush the quarterback, and I know that is something you'd like to see because it's what you did so well. Yes, the thing about Isaiah, though, is you don't want him thinking too much, meaning having too many responsibilities. If you can really strip away all the different things and just have him hone in on one, maybe two things, then I think you will really get the best of Isaiah Simmons. Yes, he's a tremendous athlete. Yes, he can do a lot of things well, but you don't want him to be the jack-of-all-trades and the master of none. You want him to just lock in on, on something that he can do best of all those things and bring that to the table each and every time he lines up on this Cardinals defense. And maybe you don't need to have him rush the quarterback a lot if you do have Hassan Reddick or Marcus Golden or both come back and a healthy Chandler Jones on one side and then Simmons being able to man the middle of the field, whether that's taking care of a tight end coming across the middle or if he sees a running back try to sneak out of the backfield, MJ, then all of a sudden that's what Simmons is there for to utilize that speed and in a course of physicality to handle a tight end. Yeah, and let's be honest, Campbell did a really nice job covering those tight ends. It wasn't an issue like it was two years ago. And so there's going to be opportunities for him there. Um, Maybe he's more of a front seven guy, but I I do like the fact that he may have to cover those slots sometimes, depending on the defense. But um, one thing that stood out to me, and I didn't see it in training camp, how physical he is on game day. Absolutely. He was not afraid, as Ron Wolfley likes to say, stick your nose in the fan, not afraid of contact. And that's something that you're never quite certain when you're talking about a first-year player. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Good stuff. A fun, fast-paced hour here this week. We'll do it in one week's time once again. Special thanks to those behind the scenes. Senior Broadcast Manager, Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. For Mike Jarecki, Bertram Berry, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next week, year-round, and a expected to be a very busy offseason ahead. The Arizona Cardinals will cover it all right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.